Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me for this one is James Christopher, host of the Go Go Astros podcast. Great to have you on the show, James. And before I get into the current Astros, I'm wondering what's your Astros fan origin story? How long do you go back with them now? Oh, I mean, so there's a picture of me at three in 1981 wearing Astros stuff. My first sort of real memory, and I asked this on my show, Let's Get Two, the first time baseball ever broke my heart was 86. Um, so I, I go back a long way. I go back a way so far that I still get excited about making the World Series, even if we don't win, because that just never happened before. So, I yeah, I go back... Uh, to where this was a thing so yeah i was i've told people that this uh insignia that you see on my hat i've had for i don't know 40 some odd years it was one of the giveaways at the old astrodome wow and i just got it sewed onto a hat it had been sitting in a box for many many years doing nothing and i was like well i need to do something with this and it's kind of a collector's item now i'm sure i'm just wondering what made you want to jump into the podcast game. I've been doing this thing for nine years. And when I got involved, there, there wasn't a whole lot of competition, not a whole lot of Astros stuff. What made you guys want to, want to try this? The, the funny thing is the Astros part really came third. Um, so I'm actually have an independent film background. I've been making independent films in Austin, Texas for 15 years. Uh, I grew up in Houston, but lived in Austin after going to UT and, um, we also started, we started a film festival and the festival kind of became all encompassing to the point that I wasn't making films anymore. Um, had wanted to really do, um, to really explore my love of baseball at the minor league level. And so we started our show, let's get Two, and it's gotten pretty big viewership. It's, it's being considered for a streaming uh, network that I will not, mention because i'll ruin it um but we used to have a segment on there called go go astros and it became really clear um especially post scandal that we were getting two groups of people that maybe were contradicting itself so uh go go astros kind of became its own thing as a way to have a clear way to market it and then also making sure that we're getting actual Astros fans listening to it because our take on the scandal was maybe a little different. So um, the scandal kind of pushed us into what we were planning to do in the first place, which was splitting out the two shows. Um, we also have a major league baseball show called the joys of Mudville. Cause again, we want let's get two to be all about minor league baseball. So it was all about like really creating three separate products. So that way the one product wasn't muddled and confusing. Yeah, I got in this when the Astros were terrible, so we didn't even think uh, anybody would care about the Astros when I started off. It was just, you know, all the Houston sports Astros, Rockets, and Texans, and it's weird now because I feel like now a lot of these shows are just geared toward one particular fan group, and when I was a kid, if, if you were from Houston, anybody with Houston on your shirt, you're rooting for, but some people have now, it's like, well, I only I can only be Astros or Rockets or, or it's too much for them to to root for all three different teams, so it's got a lot different over the years. Uh, uh, and I'll, you know, and here's the thing, this is where your viewers will turn me off, but I'm not a, a Texans fan. Uh, I was raised a Cowboys fan in Houston. And, um, and I think it's because my dad became a football fan when the Oilers didn't exist. And he was a policeman and it always bugged him that they wore the same color as the Oilers. I don't know what, I don't know why, but he did. <laughs> uh, he would say that. Um, and so 
I have three brothers, two of us are Cowboys fans. One of us is a Texans fan. Um, and it's just, it's, it makes for an interesting Thanksgiving for sure. Oh my. Yeah. And we're going to be talking uh, about Texans and Cowboys not too long. A few months from now, they play for the first time in four years. It's weird this year. They're no longer doing the preseason games, but uh, they're playing for real this year. So that should be pretty fun. Uh, before we get to the Astros today, let's just remind everybody that if you're watching or listening, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube if you haven't already and by dropping comments for us on the YouTube videos. Let's hear your takes on the show or simply just tell us uh, what you enjoy about the content in the YouTube comments. All of it helps us out quite a bit. And James, we're just months away, two months away, I should say, from the playoffs. It's hard to nitpick when you're hovering around first place in the American League. Yeah. But what's your biggest gripe right now? The funny thing is, is I don't really have a gripe about the Astros. I have, um, I guess I have mild annoyances, but when I look at the fact that I might be annoyed about a thing and that they're on pace to win 103, 105 games, what it tells me is my knowledge is limited compared to the people that are managing stuff. I mean, you know, like, I don't understand why Mancini's not in the lineup tonight, right? Like I get all of that. Um, But I've never really taken to the sort of Twitter, um, I guess the Twitter trend of airing, airing all the, whatever grievances I have, because again, they're small, they're minor. If they're anything, I honestly think uh, my biggest gripe about the Astros, and this is going to be weird, but I kind of think our uniform sets become boring. So there you go. I think we need a refresh to go back to similar to the the logo you have back there where it was cutting edge and fresh. I think our home whites are the most boring uniform in baseball. How about that for for controversy? Yeah, as the uniform goes, I'm not a big fan of the jumpsuit on the new uniforms, the Monday, you know, this year's big hit. I love the top. I love the jersey. I, I don't mind the hat at all, but I, I don't like the jumpsuit. I mean, jumpsuits, didn't they go out in the 80s with uh, aerobics and stuff like that? I, uh, and, and they do this in the NFL, too, and I don't like it either there. And, and I think it's too, like, it, it, doesn't it make such a big difference when you see Jose Altuve with this with this pants up? So now you've got orange and orange. It, it just seems, to me, it makes a world of difference versus, and I've never liked it when people wore their baseball pants like a pair of Dockers anyway. Like, I think baseball pants should be worn high. Um, but yeah, I think it makes such a big difference when you only have two or three guys wearing with the high orange socks and everybody else looks like, again, like they're in a jumpsuit and, uh, I'm definitely hope maybe there'll be a tweak next year with either white pants or orange pants or something. The only thing good about the space city lower part of the uniform is I, I do like it when Altuve and some of the other guys wear the rainbow socks. Those are really cool. What about the team on the field? As we go to the playoffs, is there anything that concerns you as far as their ability to make a playoff run as to how they're designed or any part of the team at this point that gives you real concern? I mean, honestly, no, I, I, I am curious as to how they're going to manage the pitching almost from just an intellectual exercise, because, you know, we all know that Lance McCullers is coming back. I know people are freaking out about his rehab starts. It means they don't understand what a rehab start is for. Um, I have a lot of issues with Astros Twitter, I guess. But so, yes, for me, um, I'm not terribly concerned about any one thing. I do think if we were to look at each team and say who got the most better, probably the Yankees did a little bit more to improve themselves, although they have a big injury now. And Montas definitely choked away the bed in his first start. So to me, if they keep hitting 
and um, or really get consistent with the offense. I think pitching shows up in the playoffs. I think it's a better team than last year, despite the offensive disparity. And I think if they can do that, then I think that that they will have a better run in October. I just hope that it's not an NL East team that we run into because I don't know if we can do that. And if it's the Mets, then I'm just going to sit in the fetal position and suck my thumb because I don't know. But, you know, I obviously have the same concerns everybody else does about center field, right? Like it is a below average performing position no matter who's in there. And they weren't able to make a to make a um, a move in that direction. I don't think moving Tucker to center is an option because you have one of the best defensive right fielders. Why would you then make everybody a little weaker? So obviously I have those concerns, but I still think they are the best team in the American League for sure. Yeah, we're going to get back to Tucker and center field in just a second, but you you just sort of threw it in there for a second. Astros Twitter, and you, that's something that you had messaged me about as a potential of maybe one of your gripes. And my, my thing with Astros Twitter is I love the passion. You know, this is about the most passionate our fan base has been in Houston, but with passion comes responsibility. And I went to school at the university of Missouri. I was around a ton of St. Louis Cardinals fans and it's one of the smart. No, it's, it is the smartest, it's the fan, smartest base. fan base in baseball for sure. And we got to be better than that. We got to be St. Louis Cardinals intelligent. This this, this is time for us to step up as a fan base. When you're good consistently, you've got to know what you're talking about. You just can't talk. Especially if you're going to go after Yankee fan, who a lot of those guys are like Cardinal fans, a little bit more intelligent. For me, what it is, it's the knee-jerk reaction to anything bad. Like it's they're like they're not watching baseball at all. Like they're watching a college football game. I understand one loss in college football really can wreck your whole season. So totally get that. But for me, like you said, you got to be smarter. You've got to understand the game better. And you got to understand that when you're 11 games up, Dusty's going to rest some people because you, the last thing you want to do is run out of gas going into October. And yeah, playing some, playing a team like Seattle where they're, I mean, even though we kicked the crap out of them, they, they are going to play every game like they have to win. And that's not going to serve them well in October when they get there. There's a reason why you want a first round buy in these playoffs because you're going to, they're going to eat themselves up. So I just really wish that they would watch it like baseball and not watch it like football. You mentioned Dusty and he has got to get on the same page with James Click, or maybe I should say vice versa, because I'm wondering, did James Click waste too much trade capital on Christian Vasquez since Dusty plays him as a backup, not saying Emmanuel Vasquez and William Abreu are huge losses, but just a plain veteran backup could have been a little bit cheaper if this is what they're going to do. Because after this year, you know, Vasquez can walk and probably will, especially if you didn't play him for two months uh, with, with instead of, you know, put, putting out their Maldonado, maybe put out your best player. It's interesting because, yeah, I mean, I think like I think my thought was going to be when Vasquez got here. And, and it could still like I understand him not playing for the first couple of games. And I was uh, griping about it. Actually, uh, I met a bunch of Astros fans at a Brooklyn um, Brooklyn Cyclones game of all places this past weekend. And we talked a lot about and, and, a, and a guy that I really respect um, brought up the fact that, you know, a catcher, it's hard. You can't just throw him right in there because he doesn't know even just the sign. All that stuff is different. My hope is that we'll settle into Maldi for three and then two for Vasquez keep everybody fresh to your larger question. And it is something that I noticed 
um, in the way Dusty reacted in the press to the press conference, it's almost like we didn't see Moneyball and we didn't realize that that teams are built by GMs and managers have to play them the way they're built. And I understand. Look, I like Dusty. I think it. I think he was the right guy, right time. I'm not. I'm not a big blame the manager guy, um, but it does seem like you have these tools at your disposal. One of which is Trey Mancini, who could theoretically play in three different spots, and he's hit. He only hit three home runs for his first hit. Why is he? Why is he not playing today? Why are we not? Why are we rolling out there with with Jake Myers? I do agree with you that I don't think Vasquez is being used correctly, but I think it'll come to it to prove that it's not a waste. I think that it will end up being a pick that will work out for us, whether he comes back or not. I mean, that's a great point. Um, I don't know. I think Maldonado will be the catcher next year. Like I think that, that that's a fact. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's always hard. It's always hard to, to, to figure that out. I do wish that James click and dusty Baker would get in a room together and say, listen, this is the strategy. And if you don't play the team based on the strategy, what are we doing here? Yeah, the one thing that I, I will say with Jeff Luno and A.J. Hinch, along with a lot of the other good things that they did, they were always on the same page, it seemed like. And there was there seemed to be this discussion. And maybe there has been, but I just find it surprising that James Click would have done what he did considering what Dusty is doing. And the Mancini thing at least there's an argument of flip-flopping guys around, but there is no question. There is a huge difference between Vasquez and Maldonado at this point. You know, he, he makes the point defensively, but the, the numbers we we've talked about this already on our, on our show that the numbers show that Vasquez is also a better defensive catcher than Maldonado is right now. This is purely about pitch management, um, pitcher management, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to push back on the James Cook should have talked to Dusty. I, I think in the modern area of baseball, the GM is much more valuable than the manager and dusty. If he really wants to win the ring, you should trust the fact that we live in a sport that's, that's a base on analytics and you're managing the team. That's the best at analytics. So maybe listen to what you're being told to do, sit back, take a nap and get your world series ring. That's what I think. Yeah. And, and you can still play the other guys. There's going to be days off. We get it. And dusty knows that. And that's one of the things that I agree with him on. You play, play this for the postseason. You don't play for the regular season. And, you know, I, I can't argue with that. By the way, we're talking a lot about the trade deadline. If any of our listeners miss, go back and listen to my show with Kenny Van Dorn on the Astros trade deadline. He knows the minor leagues backwards and forwards did a beautiful job dissecting those trades. All right, James, the, the best acquisition the Astros made this year isn't any of those trades. It's re-signing Justin Verlander. But as great as yeah. he's been, he's 39 years old, coming off a of Tommy John surgery. Do they need to sit him down for a couple of starts? Or do they need to do something about the innings that he's racking up before the end of the season? Well, I think we're going to stay in a six-man rotation. And I think it goes back to a point I wanted to make just a second ago. Yeah, Dusty gives a lot of guys a days off, but he's provided with a spreadsheet of who gets a day off when. Like he's it, he's not deciding who necessarily win. Um, but I think we're going to go six-man rotation. I do think you will see Justin Verlander maybe have a start where he just goes five, just enough to qualify for the win because that's important to him. Like it's not important to every pitcher, but it's still he's an old-school guy. Um, but I do think you will start to see – I think you'll stick with the six-man rotation and then you'll figure out which of those those rotation arms will go into the bullpen for the playoff roster or who doesn't make the playoff roster. But I do think you'll start to see Verlander dial it back a bit as we get into September, closer to October. 
He was two years younger. This was pre-Tommy John surgery and all of that. And Justin Verlander, as you remember, he still seemed like he had worn down in, in 2019 before that postseason with all the innings that he racked up going for a Cy Young that year. So that, that's why I bring it up is it's, yeah. it's not just the Tommy John surgery. It's not just the age. It's, you know, that, that was an issue a couple of years ago, too. Right. And I, one of the things that I would say though, is it seems like he's a different pitcher now. Like he's not necessarily gunning for strikeouts. His pitch count's been much more efficient uh, going into some of these starts, but I do think that he's a smart enough guy to be able to look at how he performed in that world series. Um, it's always funny to me too. Cause I always push back on the whole should have brought, you know, if we would have put Cole and we would have won Cole stunk in game two as well. So if Cole doesn't stink in game two, we're not in game six and it's fine. Um, it's always funny how you can dissect it that way, but I do think you'll start to see to your point, Verlander taking some breaks and maybe skipping a start here and there. Uh, maybe you'll see him in the early September and then make his last few in September to keep at the end, to keep, uh, to keep the rust off. But I do think he's smart enough to know he's going to have to start dialing it back. All right. You talked a little bit about it earlier. I want to blow it up a little bit because Jake Myers his OPS hovering around 600. With Mancini, Aledmus, and Jordan all capable of playing left field, I assume we'd rarely see Myers play since Chaz McCormick's been so much better than Jake in center yeah. field. But then Kyle Tucker goes out. And I hadn't even considered this, James. McCormick is the only one that Dusty feels comfortable with subbing for Tucker in right field, meaning any injuries to not just Chaz, but any injuries now to Tucker means Myers has to play center field because now you got to move Chaz over to right field. So I guess the bigger dilemma that you've got is now that Pedro Leon is injured at the moment in the minor leagues because he got uh, you know hit in the face and terrible face, yeah. Terrible yeah. injury. Is there anybody in the minors that you could consider giving a shot instead of you know Jake Minor Jake Jake Myers I should say because I mean w- what do you do? I mean it's it's almost like they they've you're forced, even with all of these bats that the Astros have that are better than Jake Myers, he's the only guy that can play center field, and then Chaz is the only guy that can play right field other than Kyle. I would be playing Chaz in center until the event in which Tucker gets hurt, and then I would play for it. Then I would deal with that when we got there, right? Like, I don't think there's any excuse for Jake Myers to be playing in center field. And honestly, too, his defense hasn't been great. Like, it, it, it would be one thing if... You know, we fixed the lineup a little bit. Yuli's hitting again, so there's fewer holes in the lineup. We can deal with the defense-only center fielder, but he hasn't had a good defensive year either. And I don't know if he came back too fast. I don't know, you know, I don't know what happened, but I, w- I would be playing. And for some reason, I think Dusty doesn't like Chaz McCormick. Like, I mean, I remember all the time Siri played. <laughs> this, I mean, I thought at first I thought Siri had naked pictures of Dusty's wife, but it turns out maybe Dusty just doesn't like Chaz. I would be playing Chaz in center field until which point there was an injury to Kyle Tucker. And then at that point, our hopes of going far in October just took a nosedive anyway. So, uh, but, but I, 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 for me, I would not be using Jake Myers very much at all right now. Yeah. Me neither. It just seems like, you know, the obvious thing is to not use Jake Myers, but it's like, if I, I I always make this point, James, I said, Dusty's kind of like the guy, the, 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 he's the one that at Christmas, you know, you gave him the toy If you didn't want him to play with the toy, you shouldn't have given him the toy. 
And, yeah. and you cannot give Jesse a toy or he's going to play. He's going to play with this Mauricio. And he's going to take the Mauricio Dubon out of the package and he's going to play with it. You gave him Mauricio Dubon. I tell you what, though, I would take Mauricio Dubon over Jake Myers starting in center because at least Dubon doesn't strike out a lot. Um, yeah, he he's not hitting very well either, but he doesn't strike out a lot, which means he puts the ball in play, which means you can still have situations where he can get RBIs with productive outs. Myers is a strikeout machine. Isn't he striking out about 48% of his at-bats right now? Oh, it's a ton. That's, that's ridiculous. And so I feel like, um, one, I don't know, I feel like Dubon for me, because of his at least of his contact rate, I would be playing him over Myers, but I'd still be playing McCormick over both of them. What? Are are you looking at as far as, you know, how do you construct this lineup once everybody is healthy? And I, right now I'm scared to death because it doesn't look like Michael Brantley's healthy. So who do you put in the tool? I think Dusty just was like, well, I'm going to roll with Yuli. But, you know, the guy should not be playing right now over Mancini. Yuli looks like a, a shot guy. And that's another thing. James Clicks better say to him, hey, look, uh, we need to have a little discussion about this because, I know you're really set on Yuli playing, but he he's not going to be playing next year. And I want Mancini to be happy and feel comfortable. And he's the guy that probably should be playing once we get into the playoffs. Cause Yuli just, he doesn't have, I, I get what you see on the baseball card, Dusty, but the baseball card this year is not good. And he's 38 years old or at least 38. Who knows how old he is. I think he's sort of worried about um, Yuli and upsetting clubhouse chemistry. And that's of course something we can't really measure. I don't think it's a good enough reason. I think if you, I think you can sit Yuli down and say, listen, this is the situation that we're in. I have been impressed with how Yuli has taken to the two spot. He's almost hitting in the two spot the way it used to be back in like the eighties and nineties, where he's kind of slapping the ball around. I, I kind of dig that because it reminds me of when Steve Finley played for the team and he would just poke it through when Biggio was on first, but I don't know. I, it's for me, I think in the modern era of baseball, you put your best hitters to the front. And one of the things that bothers me about Dusty's lineup is he'll sometimes go waste of a lineup spot, good hitter, waste of a line. It's almost like you're, you're creating no RBI opportunities because you've got these automatic outs staggered through in. So, you know, I, I would definitely, I think keep Bregman at third. I like Jordan, obviously in the cleanup spot. I like Tucker fifth. Um, the two hole again, it becomes really, really difficult. It seems like if you're not looking for home runs out of it anymore, Yuli's as good a guy as any to put there. Yeah. I, I, I just, I'm not sure what you do come the postseason because uh, Yuli, he shouldn't be starting over Mancini. I mean, if, if it means putting a lead Diaz in left field, if, if Brantley isn't playing, I, I play a lead Diaz. Led Diaz is, he's got an OPS near a thousand since early July. And he was a good hitter in his career before he before he started getting injured. Uh, it shouldn't be a big surprise. And I think I've, yeah, I for the record, I agree. I think Mancini should be playing. And if you play him first base four times a week, and then you let him DH two, I mean, whatever that you want to do there to keep everybody fresh. But Mancini should be the starting first baseman, in my opinion. A couple of uh, podcasts that we did last week, and and one of them, I think, I'm sure you guys have talked some about it, but we talked to. Jerry Truppiano, who is legendary Houston sports guy back in the 70s and 80s, called the Astros, the Rockets, the Oilers, Expos, Red Sox voice. 
And we remembered Vin Scully and Bill Russell with him. And Vin Scully, of course, he he got to know. People need to go back and check it out. I was crazy busy last week. Had had four different podcasts. But what were your thoughts about Vin Scully and 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 what kind of uh, relationship to Vin Scully did you have as, as a baseball fan? Well, I mean, I think first of all, my my thoughts were with everyone else that there goes probably the best to do it, and I. I fight for Milo Hamilton, but I think Vince Scully is probably the best to do it. And I don't know that you'll ever have, have it done that way again, because in, in, again, the platitudes I'd give is every, the fact that he let the play sometimes speak for itself. He wasn't trying to make himself the star of the moment. And when I think about that, I think about Alan Ashby interrupting the Chris Burke home run call, right? Like he's, he has to be part of it. My first sort of memory of Vince, of, of in Scully. And, and it's interesting because the memory is weird. And I was 11 or 12 and it was Kirk Gibson's home run. And I don't know if it was, if, if I saw his call first or did I hear it later, but that's the call I associate with that, with that home run what was, was him coming up. And then, you know, and then you watch the, the Ken Burns baseball and you hear, so now you have the background of how much pain he was really in. And just, I think that was, that was the first call for me that I was like, he's different. And, um, you know, obviously saw him or heard him covering playoff games and, and whatnot. But I think it was, I guess, probably my most, the most iconic one. I know it's an easy answer, but I think it's my, the most iconic one for me. Of course. Yeah. It's uh, the easy answer sometimes is the best answer. And uh, just uh, got to go check that out if you haven't heard it for anybody that's listening right now. And I also want to remind all our listeners that we also had a great podcast with Jason Braddock all about actual hope for the Texans this year. He gives us a lot of great insight for training camp. Yeah, there's hope. The first preseason game is Saturday. Look for our podcast breakdown after that one. And I know you're not a Texans fan, James, but we're going to be watching the Texans this weekend for for uh, the, the latest all and all of that. If anybody's returning from vacation, you got four shows this past week. So go check them out. James, I know you guys are super busy. Also over there at Go Go Astros, every time I look up, you guys are putting up uh, content constantly. And I just wonder how can people find what you're doing and, and, and follow you guys on social media as well? Yeah. The best thing to do is to go find, let's get to the show with the number two. Um, and we have a link tree there, which links to let's get to it links to go, go Astros and it links to joys of Mudville. And then we're also going to be doing, it's going to be, I'm, I'm actually super excited about it. And is the guys who do joys of Mudville with me, Andy, Tom Chestnut, Scott McIntyre. Uh, Andy's an Aggie grad. I'm a Longhorn grad. Scott's an Arkansas fan. So we're going to be doing a college football show called Yell Fight Suey, which we're super excited about. We're going to get get into some college football, which is, I think, my second sports passion after after baseball. So, but yeah, just go to Let's Get To The Show on Twitter, and you can find our link tree and and all the cool things that we're doing. Our, uh, our minor league baseball season's progressing, and uh, we've been all over the place. So I think I've done... I've traveled 22,000 miles watching minor league baseball games this year, oh which is goodness. almost the circumference of the earth. Wow. Wow. That's an unbelievable. With these gas prices too, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money you're shelling out. I barely leave the house anymore because the gas prices. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, First of all, I want, I want to thank you. And, you know, I, I love having more Astros voices out there. The more, the better, the more intelligent conversation out there, the better. So thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. And thanks so much for the podcast. Hey, thanks for well. having me. This was fun. Yeah, this was a blast. Hold on for just one second, because just for my listeners out there, I, I feel like I can't end this one without tipping my cap 
to the incredible Olivia Newton-John. And I wish I had a sports angle, but the only thing that I can think of is the scene in Greece where Danny's trying to impress Sandy by being a jock and he tries baseball and then he fights with the umpire. Then he trips over the hurdles. None of it goes well. What, what was the line? Uh, uh, you, while you guys were stealing hubcaps, I lettered and trapped. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, look, there's there's a whole generation of us that would have done anything to impress Olivia Newton-John. And when I was a kid, I, I was in love with that angelic voice and those incredible eyes. And as we both aged, though, it, it's was it's just way more. It was her kindness, compassion, generosity. Strength. Uh, oh, my God. And yeah, that's the other thing I was going to say. Toughness, fighting personal tragedy, tragedies, just fending off cancer for nearly 30 years. She gave back to the environment before it was the cool thing to do. One of her albums actually was made out of recycled material. This goes back 32 years. She was putting, you know, what you can do for the environment inside the album, 10 things to do. Uh, she created a cancer clinic. She gave her time and resources to children and animals. And she did it all while maintaining just the most humble quality and unpretentious, just unpretentiousness, if I can say that word right, that made her a real sweetheart. And, you know, I just got to say thank you, Olivia, for giving us everything you had and more hopelessly devoted forever, babe. And I'd like to follow that up with just rest in peace to Roger Mosley, who we lost the same day, played TC in Magnum PI, the coolest helicopter pilot ever. So, yeah, the other day was a pretty rough day for uh, celebrities, but rest in peace, Roger Mosley. Yeah, Mosley for sure. And can't say enough about how much I love Olivia. I'm going to go find Xanadu, play it again, and we'll talk to you guys later. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.